Hello and welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In today's show, I am chatting all things purple with the fantastic Martin Sibley, who is an experienced, a seasoned entrepreneur, now into his third business, which is a social media or influencer marketing agency focused on helping brands to work with the disabled community and open up what is an enormous market opportunity. So in the show, Martin talks about his journey, his adventures so far, including selling off his uh, last business to Airbnb and how he's used partnerships and relationships as a way to grow his businesses over the last 10 years or so. Martin's a fascinating guy, really inspirational. I hope you enjoy the show and uh, get in touch with Martin if you want to find out more about the Purple Pound. Martin, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just been chatting about the great weather that's uh, blessed me with an English tan this year. So, uh, despite the madness, it's all going well. <laughs> good, and I love the way you described it as Costa del Cambridge year. I think that's well, that's the only Costa del I'll be doing this year, I think. So. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a, a safe bet, isn't it? So staycation is the order of the day this summer, unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately, if you think about how that helps the UK economy, mm-hmm. uh, when it probably needs a shot in the arm, doesn't it? But there you well, go. Well, interesting. I spoke um Visit England webinar all about you know, the fact Visit England are embracing this. So we'll get into all the disability inclusion stuff later. But I think, yeah, Visit England are going to, be doing a lot of work this year for sure no question i was talking to a, somebody that was running an agency helping uk travel destinations and she said that they're absolutely rushed off their feet they're having a brilliant yeah. time um so there's always winners and losers and tough times isn't there and UK tourism's a winner right now which is i suppose a positive thank you for coming on the show martin uh, i think we have met many times or maybe a few times but we last time we met was when we both spoke at the marketing meetup in yeah. uh, Cambridge, I would say kind of October, November last year. Yeah. Um, and we were both, uh, both doing our thing on the speaker lineup on the speaker circuit there, which was great. <laughs> and you were talking about your uh, adventures, your journey with Disability Horizons, which is a business you had around, I think, inclusive travel um, and publishing. And then you, I think you sold that business and then you've more recently set up an agency that is focused on I think you call it inclusive marketing is that right is that yeah I mean it's a bit inclusion and inclusiveness is a bit vague and woolly um, but it, it's very much around disability and disabled people being included in lots of different ways but marketing is the vehicle I believe can create that inclusion for disabled people more yeah, and I, I'm totally on board with that. I think that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm really excited that you're using your experiences, knowledge, understanding of this market to really make a difference and also entrepreneurially to make some money for yourself, which is obviously really important. Yeah. Um, tell me then, just give me a bit of a recap. So did I get that right? Disability Horizons, you did sell that um, as a business and that's given you the ability to to kind of move on to this next venture yeah so so disability horizons is still going and i still own it but from and it and it's basically I'd say a lifestyle magazine so there's a lot of travel articles yeah. but it's about employment about sex and relationships it's sort of when you look at charities and government support of disabled people it's it's very uh i don't want to use two negative words but it it was always safe spaces you know it was the 
healthcare, social care, which is fundamental. I mean, I have a disability and if I've not got my health in order and I've not got my wheelchair and my care team, the rest of it's irrelevant. So that's all brilliant. But building on that, okay, well, disabled people want to travel. We want to work. We want to, you know, have relationships. Have a full life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, to me, that's obvious. And to many, it's probably quite obvious. But there are some that it's not that obvious that it uh, I did a, a live stream yesterday around sex and disability and it's amazing the the stereotypes people have that disabled people are you know asexual it's a whole weird world that we've tried to just say look all of those things that society thought what it is to be disabled is probably not true mm. and we're not just in care homes feeling miserable but with the right investment and the right inputs we can can do great stuff and I suppose that's begun with my own you know journey we talk a lot about journeys and marketing don't we yes we do it's a bit of a storytelling isn't it right now always right always but you know (laughs) there's been I I have had barriers and down days but equally traveled the world I'm engaged to Kasha, lovely lady I've been with for eight years now. And so, yeah, like personal experience fueled it from my side. But then you find out there's only 14 million disabled people in the UK and 1.3 billion disabled people globally. That's not just me or a handful of people. It's a lot of people. Mm. So that's where it grew into a, uh, I don't know if it's a career or a mission or a bit of both, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so Disability Horizon is very much address that it's a platform for disabled people to share their own stories but maybe not having to have their own blog or commit to something too full time but they can just write articles if and when they want to so we've grown that to about 70,000 readers a month now and it has it had and it still has limitations of how big it can go without any we've never had sort of funding and investment but to have content for a blind person, a wheelchair user, a deaf person, an autistic person, you've got a lot of sub-segments that are hard to cater in yes. one platform. Yeah. Um, but with all the travel stuff, Accommable grew out of it. And so Accommable is the the business you were referring to that we sold to Airbnb. Aha, okay. And that's... Uh, so I need to fire my researcher, basically, Martin, which is me. So that... <laughs> Sorry for the researcher. But like, there's a lot of moving parts and it, there's a lot gone on. Yeah. But yeah, but the, the simple thing is Horizons is a magazine. Accommable was where you could book accessible accommodation. Okay. But that is no more. But Airbnb have um, embraced the philosophy of that into their own website and their own supply chain so that's got far bigger impact and they've Mm. got their own resources i mean they're struggling more at the moment for covid related reasons but um that's why we sold it to them um and then yeah we can get stuck into the agency stuff later as well yeah well it's uh, uh, just a a kind of because i'm fascinated by people selling businesses and in in the agency world and a lot of the listeners to this show are running agencies 
you know, there's always that idea in the back of your mind that at some point you might be able to go ahead and sell your business the and go and live on a beach, yeah. uh, you know, move on to the next entrepreneurial venture or, or even put your feet up and not bother because agency life is stressful. Yeah. So if we can describe that process of selling a comable, how did that, um, what was that like? Was that enjoyable? Was that stressful? Was it quick, short? What was the, give me a kind of run. Yeah. Down. So you got, I guess the, the the biggest thing to you know, full transparency, I had a co-founder and Shrin was probably a bit more with the, we got angel investment, first of all, which we're not aware of disabled entrepreneurs and a startup for disabled people having kind of mainstream investment. Like you get awards and grants and that stuff's gone on for a while, but we may be wrong, but we couldn't, we're not aware of that. So even just getting the angel investment was was quite an achievement, yeah, really. Brilliant. And Shrin more led on, you know, he was an ex-lawyer in London. Uh, Shrin Madipali is his full name. We've known each other since we're kids because we got the same disability. We did a trip, it's coming up 10 years ago, California road trip. And on that road trip, we still had our day jobs. I was working for the uh, Scope, the charity in London in the head office. And yeah, we were looking for this entrepreneurial way out. And we were like, let's do a magazine. So we came up with Horizons while on this, this uh-huh, trip. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he, he uh, was more sort of courting the investors and was a lot more at the front end with Airbnb. Okay. I've always been more the community, like the content creation, storytelling, community building and I suppose connecting disabled people in this instance with the tech startup product that was the accommodation site Mm. but yeah I was still involved in it um it was it was exhilarating it was thrilling but it was it was also long hours it was stressful um targets that we were yeah having to hit with the angel investment you know you burn through money pretty quick when you're a startup because particularly with the tech startup model we weren't making loads of revenue even when we sold but obviously it was the the tech capability but the the community and the, mm. the 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 value of the spending power of disabled people which we can get a bit more into the numbers as well in a minute yeah but yeah, yeah. Just, just that experience was in the end it was so amazing to say you sold to airbnb yeah but it wasn't all you know unicorns and rainbow, rainbows the whole way through either. no i can imagine but what um what that really really nicely illustrates is the concept of having the right person in the right seat yeah and the idea that you know you and your business partner play to your strengths and yes. what a great strength it is to have a, a lawyer on the team as a business partner right. who can handle <laughs> that negotiation for you lucky devil yeah, yeah, it was fortuitous. <laughs> yeah, really good. Um, and and like you say there, to get angel investment into what isn't necessarily a, seen as a mainstream product area, I think um, is is phenomenal. So so well done. Thank you. Um, and and presumably that gave you the confidence and the opportunity and some money to then go into this your agency venture, which is Purple Goat. Is that right? Did that kind of give you the impetus to crack on and do something um, more? Yeah, I mean, so like money wise, it's obviously as a whole NDAs. I can't give numbers publicly. And I know you. I know you're not pushing either. Yeah, I'm not fishing for it. <laughs> it. I would just say that it, when when all was said and done, it didn't change my life financially. But it certainly, like having been freelance and month to month since I left Scope in 2011, it meant that 
yeah, there was a few bits on a personal level. I could, you know, invest in the house and go on a couple of trips, all that kind of stuff. And then, but I would say with the business, the newer business venture, it was less to do with the cash, probably a lot to do with the confidence I got, but also the mm. public signal that, look, there is a massive market of consumers that have never been, like, had their needs and wants understood and had products and services created that were inclusive. Like, back to that word earlier, that's what I mean by inclusion. It's, you know, disabled people in jobs, disabled entrepreneurs, accessible goods and services. So I partly knew that Horizons as a media company could become like a lad Bible of the disability world. I actually got mentored by one of the early investors, a one-off about two months ago from one of the lab Bible people. Um, it was an investor, not a co-founder. Yeah. And it was fascinating how lab Bible did it. But I think there were still some bits that were really hard, as I alluded to earlier, with that media platform model within disability. But this notion of influencer marketing started mm. to fly around. I also, you know, I always give props and hat tips where they're due. I had another mentoring session at the Cambridge Judd Business School, and someone there helped come up with that influencer model within what I'm trying to do. Okay. So it probably just makes a point to the listeners, you know, seek out mentors and advisors because mm. you can't do it on your own. And I got, you know, I didn't, all of this was free and it was just really powerful advice from people that have been there and done it. So that that's probably a good point to, to make in itself anyway. Yeah. I'm really happy you raised that because there are a, a lot of people that are and myself, when I ran my agency, I felt like I was quite um, secluded. I was on my own to some extent. I didn't really get that support. I didn't look for it. And, and that's part of what the Agency Squared community is about, is to create the ability, the opportunity to talk to others that, are, that have either traveled down this path of founding and running an agency or are currently doing it. And you can have that kind of peer-to-peer support. Yeah. But again, it goes back to that concept, doesn't it, of having the right people in the right seats and having the advisors you needed to plug in at exactly the right times with your mentor from Lad Bible, your mentor from the Cambridge Judge Business School. Is, it sounds to me like it's been transformational for you. Yeah. And I mean, so, to bring in that narrative all the way through was I, I knew that Horizons, or it, in the end, it was about connecting brands with disabled consumers. But Horizons was, as a platform, was struggling to do that. So we, we started offering more like marketing agency services as yeah. Disability Horizons. Yeah. And, you know, there, there still is this thing that disability brands like wheelchair manufacturers or distributors adapted holidays, so like very much their because of the disability market, were totally not up with, you know, social media and influencer marketing. So there was a education piece there. And then mainstream brands you know, got all the, the latest cutting edge marketing, but they still didn't understand the purple pound and the disability market. So that was been the challenge. But mm. we started to certainly in the disability world get campaigns that we then ran. So Horizons was a sort of more like the PR magazine part of the campaign but we work with disabled influencers on Instagram and some other social platforms, but Instagram's been 
the main one. Um, and what's really cool is you've got disabled people that have been building audiences and telling their own stories and creating content for a while, but never managing to make an income. Mm. And then we've stepped in as an agency and we're then getting them paid for doing what they do. So there's a lot of social mission, social driven stuff in there. But yeah, we started to unlock a business model, which was cool. Mm. So bringing it up to Purple Goat, which you mentioned before, we didn't have the sort of knowledge of how agencies need to run Mm -hmm. in a very process level. Yeah. And as it was going to scale, because we knew we were onto something, we wouldn't really have known how to scale an agency. So we came across the GOAT agency that I think, I mean, I'm now biased, so whatever I say is a bit, take it with a pinch of salt, but (laughs) they are global. And I think they are known as leaders in influencer marketing. I'll take your word for it, Martin. That's fine. You you just trust me. I trust you implicitly. It's fine. Wholeheartedly. Um, (laughs) But before I met them, they were nothing to us, right? And we, we, so we reached out and said, look, could we do like a lunch and learn? So we educate them about the disability market. So how did, sorry to interrupt you in your your prime there, but how did you identify the GOAT? What was it about them just because they looked like they are a leading global player in influencers marketing and you wanted to kind of get your message out? If only it was even that considered. It, (laughs) It literally, after the session at the Cambridge Judd Business School, I went on LinkedIn and searched influencer marketing and the GOAT came up and then the the guy that there's three co-founders but Harry appeared and like then I got some of his content because they do a daily vlog they're like one of the first agencies to do a daily vlog about agency life so I like that drew me in a bit and got a bit of trust yeah Um, but literally like LinkedIn messaged him we had a phone call and then like another month or two later I was in um, doing the lunch and then, and then on their daily vlog and then I did another talk for an external event they did in September October um, another local person Emily who you, you met didn't you when we were at that event. yeah that's right I did yeah so Emily was sort of giving us a bit of influencer advice around then as well um, but yeah all this culminated with like we needed them for all the more business sort of resource and that they've been there and done it basically the process side of making the nuts and bolts of an agency work absolutely but they needed us because they don't have the experience and the knowledge I've got not just as a disabled person but as a marketer as well Mm. and the network and all that kind of stuff so yeah April we we launched Purple Goat where I'm majority shareholder and CEO but they've got a significant minority stake Mm -hmm. and you know if we need a bit of seed funding they're they're there for that but you know actually the clients came in the door day one and we're growing and growing month for month and it's a life I actually dreamt of when I did my master's in marketing and I had this whole charity world like month to month consultant world and then this is what I, I'm meeting Tesco's today. We're working with Amazon and it's a dream come true, to be honest. Perfect. Now, I, I just want to kind of dig a bit deeper on, on the GOAT. So is the, the GOAT's a UK-based agency, is it? Or is it 
So UK based, but offices in London, New York, and Singapore. Okay, cool. So you did the lunch and learn, and you spoke at one of their events. How did you kind of evolve that conversation and move it into? Uh, would you like to go into business together, or did it just feel like a natural fit after having done those few sessions? I think my agenda when I were then was speaking to them more strategically was how can we get introductions to your brands? Quite frankly, and I was less actually. It's probably yeah that the process stuff. They knew it more than I knew it, if you know what I mean. So they could see what you needed, whereas you yeah. didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't know what would have mm. become very difficult later on, but all I knew is I wanted to get in the door with the big brands, right? <laughs> um, so I yeah. just was floating ideas of like you know, partnering, but in a more sort of business development way, yeah. yeah. But then you know, they've, they've done stuff like before the go. They, they come from all that world of how you structure deals for win-win and all that kind of stuff. So they, they just, you know, put down after some talks, a term sheet. And I was like, brilliant. Like there is, there is no downside because I'm going to learn so much. I'm going to be in a new world that I was trying to get into, but would have struggled as little old me or little old disability horizons. And even if it, spectacularly or whatever that might mean like there's just no downside because I will learn so much from it mm. no that's that's perfect and, and, and it kind of there's a real theme here isn't there is you're working with a co-founder or a mentor or a partner agency and, and you're using that relationship to empower you to really be super successful and that that's amazing because I think it's I think one of the difficult things when you're running an agency is to identify who the right partners are. And, and you mm. seem to do it really well, uh, much to your uh, benefit. Kudos to you for being able to spot the right partners because that's really hard. And you talked about the right people in the right seats. And I, with, again, we sort of touched on it briefly, but I think that self-awareness in your own self is important mm. because I used to want to do it all. So like I, you mentioned about finding the right people. I know that, networking and people skills is one of my big superpowers if you like but <laughs> yeah. spreadsheets I mean I did economics so we did all spreadsheets and numbers in my degree but I just don't enjoy it and if you don't enjoy it then you know and, and we have to embrace it if you're a business owner you've got to know the numbers of course but yeah again like now I've got the benefit of their sort of finance business planning people and mm. I've got access to their design team when we're doing pitch decks so it, it's yeah it's been phenomenal and I just want to make a point about culture that as much as some of this was quite intuitive through this only now I can unpick it with you and draw out threads and themes mm. like it was just unfolding each day randomly if you like but they are nice people and there's such a culture fit and so even if someone else had offered the resource or the, the the nuts and bolts but there wasn't that alignment in values really I wouldn't have done it mm. but I just get on with them like they're my age we have similar interests you know I think that was really important on top of the business I, I don't think you can underestimate the power of or the importance of that. So I was just talking to one of my clients earlier. One of the things I do is I help clients and agencies to get together and work together. And we look for that cultural fit. And the client I was talking to earlier was just raving about um, one of the agencies that we'd managed to get appointed for them to work with. 
about how good that cultural fit was and how that made the mm. the process of working with them just so enjoyable and, and I think that's that's what makes for a long-term lasting relationship and, and ultimately happy people because exactly. you know marketeers generally are quite um, warm friendly communicative people we don't like spreadsheets so much as we like to be creative and so we need to have that cultural nice fit like that to be happy and, and also when we were doing it as horizons and we shied from the data and the numbers like we, we did what we had to do but yeah, we weren't really reporting all of the metrics and that, whereas, you know, we're doing it because there's processes and yeah. we're using spreadsheets that pre-existed. Yeah. But, yeah, you then get the point that in marketing, you still have to prove your value and prove the ROI. So, like, we're running campaigns now where we've promised deliverables to clients that I never thought possible, but we've got the mechanics to do it. And we've got the ability to then report back that we've smashed that client's deliverables. And Perfect. then that's going to lead to more, you know, upselling and cross-selling and more work. No question. No question. And I think as marketeers, uh, we absolutely have to be able to justify our existence in the language that business understands, which mm-hmm. is finance. So yes. it's not about reach and awareness and impressions and click-throughs. It's about what did that, what was the actual impact on revenue or, mm-hmm. as you said, ROI or even ROMI, which is really important stuff. And I think for you, who's who's a smart entrepreneur that hasn't come from a marketing agency background to partner up with the goat in that way and to use their structure and their systems and their spreadsheets has given you a huge leg up, a huge advantage. So it's a smart yeah. move, I think, doing that partnership. Yeah, it's been, we're now what, August and it's, yeah, it's been a lot happened in those three months. I mean, I was doing our returns for Disability Horizons July 18 to July 19 and it was hard monetizing a sort of bloggy yeah. magazine platform like anyone will know that it's not unless you are massively the leader and it you because there are a lot of business in the disability world with spending like marketing budget but it, there was just so much competition it was so hard and yeah we're we're doing in a month or we're doing that whole year kind of thing <laughs> so my brain is exploding because there's a lot about limiting beliefs you know I've really had to go through okay. a lot about can I, but can the disabled community get to it? We know where we want to go, but like actually with, there's been so much around in, in films and in the news, the narrative of, so about narrative, but narrative of disability, it's always been charity. Please donate for our services for mm-hmm. disabled people. Yeah. You know, care homes that were, I'm talking like in the sixties, although some still exist, but you know, segregation of care homes. And, you know, so I've had to break through a lot of limiting beliefs that, that's been a part of my entrepreneurial journey as well. Mm, I can totally imagine, you know, you're breaking the mold a bit here, aren't you? So um, getting through those very staid uh, understanding of the marketplace that you're in uh, and how to, to work with people with disabilities is, is probably a huge challenge and a huge educational piece for you. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that kind of teases up nicely to look at this sector. So what is the market opportunity? What what is that that's driven you to take this route? Um, yeah. Are you seeing the, these pound signs? Yeah, but the, the numbers and not, I've not collected the research. There's definitely a lot of pound signs there. <laughs> um, we mentioned 1.3 billion people globally. 
So research by EY was that equates to $8 trillion spending power. So breaking that a bit down is a household with a dis- person with a disability, the spending power of that household equates and adds up to $8 trillion globally. Mm. And and like even when I mentioned a visit England webinar, I, I'm back to stats, right? Like I'm better with the, the, the general visionary narrative, but it was something like 12 billion, I think I can double check after, but it was like 12 billion spend within like England based trips within tourism. So the numbers are just ridiculously mm, staggering. big. And so it's not binary that disabled people can't access anything. And they're like, that's, that's not going on. It's sort of, we, I have struggled to find hotels and, you know, when I go abroad, like it's not easy. Mm. And on the marketing level, we found 0.06% of adverts feature disability, whereas 22% of the population has a disability. So, yeah, there's so many things have gone on with awareness raising and, you know, PR and CSR, corporate social responsibility. There's been a good job of highlighting problems and raising awareness, but where the goat got, and I was already in very much in line with it, but doubled down on, as you said, it's got to be about the bottom line for businesses. Talk about the right thing to do, talk about the law, but there's a lot of issues with enforcing the Equalities Act for disabled people. Mm. Talk about make a load more money, businesses are going to move. So that's that's where it's at, is like, how do we go marketing 101, speak to the community, understand our needs, make some changes, or probably some things are already fine, but market to that community with content that's relevant to that community, and you're going to end up making more profit. Is that simple, really? It doesn't sound like rocket science to me. It's not. But when I speak to brands, they're like, oh, you know, but what if we do it wrong? And what if we say the wrong thing? They're and nervous. They're, uh, oh, they're worried. Okay. It's fear. It's massively yeah. fear. Yeah. And it was better to do nothing than do something and get it wrong. And then you've got a brand nightmare PR storm. That's their worry, right? Okay. But the opposite is that there are people moving now into this. And they're going to work it out, even if they make a couple of little little mistakes. Which they will. Yeah, but that's fine, right? But because it's disability, everyone is scared of making that mistake. So I suppose Purple Goat is to de-risk a little. Like we, mm. we are, I, I am disabled. The team is disabled. So there's something in that, I think, um, that we de-risk it for the brand. But like, there will be issues. Of course, there's marketing, right? Yeah. But... The, the benefits outweigh the risks, I think, now. Well, I think that the best marketing is brave anyway and takes risks. So whether yeah. that's to marketing to a disabled community or an able-bodied community, you know, there's still risk involved and you can still get it wrong. But I think what you said there was quite smart, you know, working with you is de-risking it a bit because you really understand the marketplace because you are yourself disabled, which helps yeah. in that respect, obviously. And it uh, falls on us. Like if, mm. if, some, if an influencer says something and it offends the blind community okay in a way you know that does have the the affiliation to the brand because it's a brand activation but equally we the agency that have run it will have 
A, de-risk it with all the research, all our knowledge, and B, it's like, well, some people are going to kick off on social media regardless, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like, the trolley <laughs> element is life, you know? You can't you can't control everything on social media. It's a it's a wildfire, isn't it? So you know, just to look after what you can manage. But if we go back to those numbers you're talking about, there, so eight trillion dollars globally, twenty two yeah. billion pounds just in the UK on and travel. That's tourism, yeah. And tourism. So it's two hundred and fifty billion total in the UK. Gosh, gosh. I mean, the the numbers are staggering, aren't they? And if yeah. and if you think that um, 0.06% of advertising features or includes an inclusive message, yet the industry or the size of the market is 22% of the UK has that need, then the opportunity mm. is vast, isn't it? It's right there. And, and you're obviously perfectly placed to help brands to to take that opportunity because I don't think there are too many other agencies that are really in this space. Or at least... No, we're not- Special. In a way, you, know, you sort of make you can debate luck whether it's a thing and whether you make your own luck or not as a whole philosophical debate. But the coming together with the go and the influencer mechanic, it solves that point I made earlier that if we're doing something for people with fibromyalgia in Manchester, we can can work with an influencer with fibromyalgia, create really authentic, awesome content and use paid media to hit people that are interested in fibromyalgia in Manchester. Mm. So you can go so niche with this mechanic. And I think that's the other part that we've been trying to work this out since 2011, marketing and disability. But I think the rise of influencer marketing is the mechanic that enables us to do it. What's the what's the grand plan? Because influencer marketing for me feels like it's, it might just be a launch pad for you, but you could have, you could take this much, much further and explore a much fuller marketing mix if you wanted to, if you had the appetite for it. Or or is this is this kind of where you want to focus your attention for the long haul? No, it's, it's anything goes. I think the reason we place influencers at the centre is there's a big, uh, one of our taglines and it's a disability movement, even back to the civil rights stuff in the 80s and 90s, is nothing about us without us. So if we're doing research and insights for a brand, I can't speak for blind people or deaf people. So the influencers, and it's such an an all-encompassing term, Mm. it doesn't have to be an Instagrammer with 100,000 followers. It's an influencer in a different way of influencing that they they've got that community knowledge and expertise so we bring them in on the research side and you know we 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 can do websites and we have so we've got clients that we do social media management for but the people that are running the social media account because they're more disability specific brands right that's why there's a focus on mm-hmm. having us run their accounts the freelancers are disabled so it's it's absolutely market and mix and then yeah like later on we we want to do it social first but you can still have billboards and tv ads if you want it's just that you're starting with the community and disabled people first because that's your audience Mm. and then you're building the market and mix around it so and that's what the goat have done they started with influencer but they they now do all the market and mix but it's that 
starting forget disability it's starting with those niche audiences and building mm. around it mm, okay but i mean you could take it even further and go beyond communications and look at the other elements you know um, oh, i see development, yeah. things like that more strategic plays rather than not that communications isn't strategic but um you know you have the ability to make change at different levels within the organization based on your skill sets as an entrepreneur and your knowledge and, and experiences as well and the contacts we have as well, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, so, yeah, like, there's all brands that we're talking to, and, you know, I don't want to, like, say anything before it happens, but as a general aim, I think, so ideally, you would go into, say, any supermarket, and you would fix the issues, then you would do the marketing. But the catch-22 is that brands don't want to invest if they're not sure there's a customer base. So... Mm what we're doing our approach is that let's get your results with things you're doing well and once and because we're only three months in right but once that's evolving we absolutely would want to have their ear and their trust yeah that to fundamentally change customer service stores websites because then that gives you more to do marketing about anyway definitely so you're establishing a beachhead at this end of the marketing mix, and then you're going to spread it out uh, once yeah. you've proved the value, basically, which is yeah. super. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can't wait to see where you take this, given what you've done already with your, you know, your two previous or this bit of horizons and a commable, and now moving into purple goat. You're, you're what do they call it? You're one of those serial entrepreneurs, Martin. How does that title sit with you? Yeah, when I hear that, I always think of breakfast cereals <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, no. It, it, it's not been like a design. I think because even when I say, you know, I've, I've been labelled entrepreneur influencer. Yeah. Um, there was like um, an awards and a list of Power One Hundred list of influential disabled people, and I was voted third a couple of years ago. But I think entrepreneurial influence is something that others impart on you. Whereas I'm not. I'm not waking up being an entrepreneur. I'm just like want to solve problems and do things I enjoy doing your thing. and I've always wanted it to and I think there's something interesting about the the make money someone I spoke to the other day a disabled entrepreneur they're doing like an online fitness thing and someone said to them can you become a charity so we can give you some funding and we want to make sure you don't line your pockets and run off of it and I just thought yeah like obviously the point it wouldn't be you get a massive grant for a project and the owner just pockets it and runs off. But that's different <laughs> yeah. from it having to be a charity. I think you you can build a company and sell it or live off the the salary or the dividends or both, whatever it might be, like and do social good. I don't think I I, I think we have some warped views of how we can solve problems, mm. but we can also benefit personally and I've had to overcome that awkward, almost guilt myself, that guilty feeling. But I now I'm like, well, no, like both is fine. And I'm happy with that. But I think it's a societal change we have to do there. You're totally allowed to make a living for yourself, Martin. That's, you know, that's what the rest of the world's doing. Well, Matt, I don't know whether, because I guess most people that aren't in a social issue world yeah if it's if it's sort of separate type of marketing there's maybe a difference like it is pure private sector but I guess as a disabled entrepreneur that there is that back to those narratives it's like no you're on benefits you're on work you know you're on 
your own yeah. wealth. Like, so I think we have to break through it, but society has to like help nurture mm. that that you can make your own way. And it it's a bit American dream. Whereas I don't know the us as Brits get a bit funnier about some of this stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We're not quite so comfortable being aggressively commercial, I think, over here. Yeah. Um, it's interesting culturally um, anyway. Yeah, culturally, I think it's probably the same, uh, the, the, an issue. Wow. So the, the whole market thing, because you've called yourself purple goat. So I think the term that you're using for this disabled market is, is the purple pound, which I hadn't heard before we first spoke uh when we spoke back in november i think last year so is that term becoming mainstream now are people adopting that is that the norm yeah so i think i i read up on a bbc article with tanny gray thompson the, the ex-paralympian and now house of lords that there was a more um when the austerity kicked in there were marches called hardest hit mm. and i was living in london and participated in them at the time and it was very political and purple was sort of almost brand, isn't it? You know, it's generally the the website and the movement, it it just had a purple affiliation. Ah, okay. And then that, so as the other thought leaders, if you like, grew out the business case and all the stuff we just talked about, purple came along for the ride. Um, <laughs> and then someone else I was speaking to on my daily live stream who took, that themselves took some credit for creating this it's interesting like who and how you attribute the the different idea because very often lots of people it's like any innovation you'll find that the, the radio was created at the same time in three different continents it's yes. quite interesting yeah. so like different people were all simmering the same idea um <laughs> but it's got like a royal blue and, and he talked sorry a royal purple rather and he talks about trying to change the narrative that he wants disabled people as a community to feel like pride and empowerment and like a, a feeling of that roy- almost like royalty. Yeah, it goes off a bit of tangent there. But yeah, that, there's all sorts of ways that you try to change the narrative through yeah. brand, through colour. Um, so yeah, it's now businesses understand that it's the purple pound as a, a synonymous with the pink pound, the, the silver pound etc etc yeah okay good so it's nice to know the origin of that the purple color yeah that's kind of make a bit of sense as well martin i know that you're a little bit pressed for time because you've got to go off to do a big uh, meeting with the uh, i think you mentioned the brand earlier on didn't you but i won't say it just in case you didn't yeah i, I never know when you can can't say it. <laughs> so, so let's not curse it i know you've got to go but it's really really nice to talk to you again and i think what you're well, you're quite an inspirational person. I don't know whether everyone's told you that because you've achieved an awful lot. Um, and you're obviously now the, the launch pad of a really great period of growth for Purple Goat, which is exciting as well. If people want to find out more about you, they want to get in touch, they want to find out more about the Purple Pound, um, where should they, how should they get hold of you? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so probably my social media, like particularly Instagram or LinkedIn, Martin's with a Y, my parents were very awkward and that that causes issues but thanks mum and dad yeah exactly (laughs) shout out um martin sibley yeah on all the social channels but martinsibley.com is got a bit more about me and like my blog disability if someone's disabled disabilityhorizons.com is the sort of the community facing side um and then down the road i'm sure there'll be more on purple goat but resource wise we're kind of honing the content marketing on my 
channels as we as we get going really got you okay brilliant well i'll share all those links in the show notes uh, so people can check in with you i'd love to hear how you get on with purple goat maybe let's check check in in about six months time and see what's happened see whether you won that big supermarket today i'll either be a a burned out wreck or i'll be like you know (laughs) getting all cocky (laughs) yeah well let's hope it's the the latter or somewhere in the middle (laughs) or somewhere in the middle yeah that's a good hedge your bets a little bit yeah thanks so much good luck with your meeting and we'll be in touch again soon yeah thanks for having me on i really appreciate it